All right. Let's talk about it. You're listening to not just another sports podcast. I am Bryce Carter. I believe I still think I am. Yes. And joining me still is Christian Ainsworth. Uh, Again, you're listening to not just another sports podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Live. It is October 11th. And we are here to cope and talk about a football game that was played last night. I believe. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. We're here to talk football, and it's going to be hard to keep me from getting on my soapbox this this uh, this episode. So I'll let you go ahead and start it off. Okay, let me go grab the soapbox. Um, where to begin? Where to begin? Where to begin? The Chiefs don't feel like the Chiefs no more, and that statement is on the surface level very obvious because they don't win as much as they used to. But I'm here to talk about something that I think is unquantifiable and both concerning. The Chiefs are, in my opinion, an extremely emotional team and have been for a long time. This goes back to 2018. When the Chiefs are right, they are fun. They are home run hitters. They are sidearm. They are no-look passes. They are, you know, Travis Kelsey comes out of the slot on an RPO for 25 yards. They're home run hitters. The defense is opportunistic. They take away the ball. They blitz heavy. They aren't world stoppers, but they're aggressive. The Chiefs are, you know, everything about the Chiefs is swagger. It's aggressive. I will never forget. Um, after the Chiefs go down 24-0 to the Houston Texans in the AFC Divisional round, McCall Hartman had a big return. I'm like, okay, cool, you got a big return, you're down 24, and they started celebrating. I was like, who the hell are these guys? Like, why are you celebrating right now? You're down 24-0. But that energy and that, uh, you know, Q Tyron Matthew championship swagger, that, that's what helped them. But I'm here to tell you, I feel like none of that is around anymore. And I'm going to tell you, and you can let me know, Christian, if I'm being hyperbolic or getting too much into the, you know, the romanticism of football. But I'm telling you, I knew the exact moment the Chiefs were losing this game. And it was not on the field. And maybe the cameras just caught them wrong. After the hour and 15 minute rain delay, I, it was like two different things. It looked like the Chiefs, were two hours before kickoff. Like the guys were kind of just out there jogging around, tossing around the football a little bit. And then on the other side of the sideline, the Buffalo Bills looked like they had prime Ray Lewis warming them up. They were in the huddle. They were hooting and hollering. It looked like they were just getting ready to start the game again. Now I know that stuff doesn't really matter. But I felt at that moment, I was like, it is so clear to me who this means more to. And no, I don't think that the Chiefs are losing because they don't care. But I'm telling you, I feel like the Chiefs, there is, they feel like a distracted team. They feel like a team that's tired. They feel like a team that has not had its mojo for a long time. And it's concerning. There are so many things that are concerning about it. Is it players looking for new contracts? Tyron Matthew, you know, Chris Jones. Think about that, Tyreek Hill. Is it Andy Reid being distracted by what can only be an extremely stressful situation with his son? 
and his health? Is it that they've gotten complacent after going to back-to-back Super Bowls? Or even more concerning, and, you know, I'll talk about this because, you know, we talk about it on Twitter, but no one really wants to talk about it on a podcast. Are there too many distractions in people's personal lives? Brittany Matthews tweets out something stupid once a game. Randy Mahomes tweets out something stupid about the vaccine or Ted Cruz once a game. Um, Jackson is dancing on the sidelines as the Chiefs get railed every week. I mean, I know that none of this stuff really is quantifiable. It doesn't show up in PFF or the box score, and someone will get mad at me for saying it. But none of this stuff exists in a vacuum. All this stuff happens. Do I think that any one of those things, like, do I think that Jackson Mahomes is why the Chiefs are two and three? No, that's stupid. Of course not. But do I think a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of Tyron Matthews' contract, a little bit of Britt Reed has a hearing with a lawyer that he's got to go. You know, I think all those things are playing into a distracted team that is making mental mistakes, that is unmotivated, that it gives up easy when it gets its nose bloody. There was a shot of Travis Kelsey in that game where he looked like he was ready to go home. Like I give my wife that look after 30 minutes of sitting at a friend's house and she's still talking. And I look at her like that, like, please let me leave. That's what, that's what Kelsey looked like. Um, I, you know, that, that is the thing that's the most concerning to me because that can't be fixed. I mean, maybe it can, but what, what situation do they need? What more do they need? Do they need to get down more to feel like they're truly at the bottom to start feeling like the underdogs? I, I don't know how to fix it for them, obviously, but it's not something, it's not X's and O's. It's not, um, it's not on the roster. It's not scheme. It, what is it? What is it about the Chiefs that makes us feel like it's not the Chiefs anymore? So I think you brought up a really good point. And let me tell you something. It's embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing as a Chiefs fan. I follow all the NFL meme accounts, sports memes accounts, like Ghetto Gronk, NFL meme, like, and every single, every time the Chiefs lose, it's a TikTok of Jackson Mahomes. It's Brittany with her, you know, Twitter Twitter rampage that she goes on every game talking about the refs. Yeah, the refs are going to be bad. You also don't need to make a TikTok after every single football game. Or if you remember most recently, there was Jackson Mahomes throwing water on opposing fans. Like, at some point, you have to realize that Patrick Mahomes is the star of your family, and you need to shut it down. It's, it's okay to be in the background. Like, you never see that with Tom Brady. I haven't heard of anything like that with Tom Brady. I haven't heard anything about that with any other quarterback in the NFL besides Patrick Mahomes. And I'll kind of tie this back here. I think it's a culmination of that and actual on-the-field talent and execution, I guess, is the best way of putting it. I'm tired of talking about Frank Clark and his insanely big contract that he is not living up to, where he's basically a hood ornament on the defensive line. I'm tired of talking about Jaron Reed, how he was the best defensive pickup we could have had in the offseason. I'm tired of talking about Chris Jones and how he's going to be the defensive player of the year when he's playing on the outside, when he doesn't play against the run or more than 60% of the snaps. There, there are so many problems with this team. The offense, and, and I think one of the major ones, is the offense is trying to score on every single play and they're not being patient, and they're not taking what's given to them, partially because they can't trust Clyde Edwards-Alaire to run the ball effectively. Like, if you've watched our offensive line, they have been blowing people off the ball. Clyde is running into the back of them. He's not taking what's given to him. 
Patrick Mahomes has to feels like he has to score on every single drive because the defense can't stop anybody. I don't know what we're supposed to do as a defense or what he's supposed to do besides calm down, but he can't calm down. There's no, you know, they're, they're taking, they're essentially saying, listen, we know you're the chiefs. You're going to fuck this drive up at some point. We're not going to give you Tyree kill for 80 yards. Like that, that's just not going to happen anymore. You're going to have to drive the ball. And that's what's been happening. You've been fucking up every drive, every throw. It's, it's a, Kelsey drops a, a pass. Tyreek Hill drops a pass. Marcus Kemp drops a pass. Allen Robinson, not Allen Robinson. Marcus Robinson runs backwards for 15 yards. And instead of getting a first down, it's second and five. Like there, there are a million problems on offense. And it's, I think it's all spurred by the parasitic relationship between them and the defense. And I got to tell you, I don't know how this locker room stays together with this big of an imbalance. Like I've seen the next level stats. I've seen the advanced stats and stuff on PFF of how good this offense was up until last night. And it's like all time great without a clear number three receiving option without a running back. That isn't great. It's because the offensive line and Patrick Mahomes, and then you look on the defense and they're giving up eight yards of play. Like that's, I saw a stat the Rams of, I can't remember what year it was, but one of the greatest offenses of all time was getting 7.1 yards per play. We are making opposing offenses better than the greatest, most historic offense of all time when they get the ball. And it's one-on-one offense versus defense. We're just losing. And I, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't think you can fix this in season. And is this something that you believe we can fix? Uh, by game five or game seven? Well, you're you're leading me into the positive side of the podcast. I'm not quite sure ready to go there yet, but it is po- like, man, I here's the thing. The thing that is both the most comforting and the most frustrating thing about the Chiefs right now is that so much of what they do is self-inflicted. Um, you know, there are very, very obvious disconnects between the construction of the roster and the defensive staff. And then also obvious disconnects between what the coaching staff wants and what I think the players want. I mean, you were talking about the locker room. I don't understand how there couldn't be a fractured locker room whenever there's, I mean, Tyron Matthew might as well just like paint a sign or something and hold it up. He clearly does not think that Daniel Sorensen is doing well. He makes that really, really obvious, which to my response would be maybe Tyron Matthew should not get um, truck sticked by Devonta Smith or, you know, maybe make the occasional play himself. I, you know, I'm not, I've not been blown away by Matthew this year at any time, but I mean, yeah, you got to think that there are some issues going on in that locker room that is, that is happening. And you hope that they have the guys that are there that can do it. Um, you know, Obviously, there's a lot of Super Bowl champions in that locker room, including some that have come from other teams like Joe Tooney. But, yeah, you've, you've got to think that there's a lot of things. And even in the coaching staff, how does Andy Reid, who is a very hands-off coach, how does he not walk into Spag's office and say, you know, get this guy off the field? Um, now, to your question, there are many ways that the Chiefs can improve. Now, it's getting harder and harder to see the light. But one thing that one of the very few positives from this game, 
Ben Neiman played, played 15 snaps. That's got to be a low for him in a really, really long time. They, when they started playing Willie Gay and when they started blitzing, they, the defense did start to look better. Now, maybe that was the Bills leaning at the tape at the end of the game, or maybe it was the rain, but that did help. Um, you know, so there is that. You know, I while I do think that Frank Clark has been a tremendous disappointment, I do also think that he is their best edge player, um, you know, probably better than Chris Jones at setting an edge, getting a pass rush. And then if you've got Dana, you've got Clark, and you've got Chris Jones on the inside, I do think that gives them some opportunity for pass rush. Um, and, you know, obviously we did see Josh Gordon look good on a play. But, I mean, there – Again, the, the blown coverages are so concerning that these players are comically wide open all the time. And it, it, it just makes you wonder what is going on that they can't get players like Daniel Swenson off the field. And my thing, my thing is like, look, the tired idea is that free Juan Thornhill, he's the solution. Because Juan Thornhill was on, most, on the field for most of those plays that there were blown coverages on. Now, I'm not saying he was responsible for it, but Juan Thornhill, like people have this idea, and I understand that there were a couple weeks there where Juan Thornhill was just barely playing, but Juan Thornhill was on the field plenty of times. Juan Thornhill, let's see here. I'm looking at the snap count. I have it up here. Um, Juan Thornhill was 44. Yeah, he played 44% of the snaps, which we would still like that number to be more, but that's not egregious. Um, you know, that puts him in the top 10 of defensive snaps for the team. Um, not top 10, looks like just outside the top 10, but not egregious. Um, you know, and that, that idea that, you know, it's just play one thorn home. That's going to fix it. It's a little silly. My one thing that I wonder is like, okay, if Daniel Sorensen isn't the answer, one Thornhill isn't the answer. One of the things that this team did so well in the year that they won the Super Bowl. When Juan Thornhill went down, you know, back when he was an all-rookie and looking like a promising Pro Bowl-level safety, um, when he went down, it wasn't as much Daniel Swenson who went back there, but Spags, like, without a beat, started playing Kendall Fuller in safety. And we didn't even recognize it until the playoffs when people started, like, looking at the tape and realizing Kendall Fuller's playing quite a bit of safety. You're, you're here to tell me that one of the players in the secondary that they have can't do that? Well, Jarius Sneed played some safety in college. You know, like there has to be players that 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 they can make more flexible. And it just seems like they are forcing a square peg into a round hole. Well, and I think part of the part of the things that goes with that, I'm it's so hard for me to hate on Daniel Sorensen because I feel like he's one of those players that is just like a I feel like he's a fan favorite or he's one of the most hated players on the team. Like there's no in between. He's either making an interception and getting uh, you know, a game game breaking tackle or game winning tackle, or he is getting roasted in the secondary for nothing. And it's so hard for me to see somebody like him play as bad as he had. Now, I, I think one of the issues with not rotating, rotating somebody back there is that there isn't anybody they feel confident with. And I'm not saying Spags is a bad coach because he can't tell the difference between good players and bad players. Obviously he's an NFL level coach. He was a head coach. He's been to two, he's been to three Super Bowls and he's won two. He's not a bad coach. He, he can evaluate talent. He can tell who's a good player, who's not. 
And if Daniel Sorensen is the guy who's getting the majority of the snaps, I think we should trust him in believing that there are players that shouldn't be playing back there that would be even worse than he is. Now, I know that's a little bit, I don't even know, is is it really a hot take to believe that Daniel Sorensen is probably the best secondary we have or secondary player we have playing back there? Yes, it absolutely is because it has become the scapegoat that all of our problems are going to be fixed by one Thornhill. And again, I mean, we, we kind of just hit on that, that, that that idea is really pretty tired. And yes, I'm sure that at some point it could improve, but these problems go way deeper than just Daniel Sorensen. Daniel Sorensen is the classic, um, I think of, he's like the classic condiment. You know, I am a huge Chick-fil-A fan. Um, and Chick-fil-A sauce finally started selling their stuff in the store. So you can go get the Chick-fil-A sauce, right? Chick-fil-A sauce, you get some like frozen Tyson chicken nugget to put that baby in the air fryer and whip up some Chick-fil-A sauce. You just took like a meal that cost you like, you know, under $2 and made yourself a pretty good meal at home. You leverage that Chick-fil-A sauce in the right situation. It can really glow up a meal. Now, the other night, my wife made a delicious pasta with homemade sauce um, if I whip out the Chick-fil-A sauce and squirt that baby on there, it's not going to go well for me or my wife. Um, Daniel Sorensen is Chick-fil-A sauce. When you put him in the right situation, he can shine. He can glow like delicious Chick-fil-A sauce. But whenever you try to put him in the wrong situation, he's not going to be good. And those moments that you're talking about were times where he was put in the right opportunity, right? You know, there are situations that Daniel Sorensen, being an athletic guy for you know, a safety. Well, I shouldn't say that. Being an athletic guy who can be in the box, cover a running back out of the backfield and stuff can shine. And that's back when they had Juan Thornhill. You know, some of Daniel Sorensen's best plays, like that huge sack that he had in Mexico City against Philip or not sack, interception against Philip Rivers, Juan Thornhill was on the on the field for that play. And yes, we love him for the special teams play that he made or the fumble that he caused against the Browns. Well, let's not forget that that fumble against the Browns was at the one yard line before they were about to score. And that player was like wide open, just like he was. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. And I, I don't want to get too into Daniel Sorensen because it's, it's a known commodity. What's going on there. My one thing that I want to talk about is the fact that I'm not sure Patrick Mahomes, his Raw passing numbers still look pretty good besides the interception. But I'm not sure that I've seen Patrick Mahomes have a, have a worse game than he had as far as passing the ball goes. And that's not the interceptions, by the way. Both the interceptions he had were super fluky. PFF didn't even grade them as turnover-worthy plays, which take that as you will. They were both just bad luck. But he was missing guys left and right. And I feel like every single snap, Mahomes is having to step left, step right. He does not look comfortable in the pocket at all. And I think that this offensive line is really forcing him to do something he is not used to do. Now, the offensive line is grading out pretty well. Tooney and Smith are the 12th overall. They're both tied for 12th for guards. Creed Humphrey is the number one center in football, according to PFF. Um, And Orlando Brown is about as high as he's been. He's sitting at 30-something. 30 or something like they're not doing bad. It's the fact that he just doesn't look comfortable in the pocket. 
And that's why he's skip hopping all these balls to players. He's inaccurate. I mean, he had Kelsey wide open at one point during that game and just completely overshot him. He looks frustrated by having to nickel and dime. And then, look, I understand that we want to rag on Clyde Edwards-Alaire because that's what we do here and running backs don't matter society that we live in. But also, like, McKinnon got in there, and it's not like he started catching a bunch of passes. He the, the swing pass seemed to be there for him all night to get six and seven yards, seven and eight yards, just dink and dunk, dink and dunk. I mean, Tom Brady's won like three rings doing that shit. But for some reason, Mahomes doesn't seem to want to do it. And at some point, I mean, here's, and this is really the bigger problem. We talk about this too deep safety thing over and over again. Why can Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid not figure that out? What is it about what they do that they can't figure that like it's not a mystery everyone knows about it why can they not figure it out surely there is something some scheme that they can do because this wasn't a thing you know you go back to alex smith what he struggled with was more of the tampa two where they would drop those linebackers in a shallow zone and basically take away the middle of the field for him so then he either had to throw outside the numbers or deep in the middle now they're dropping so far back to prevent the big play but i mean why why can they not figure that out? It, you would think that it's this new scheme that's never existed before, but the cover twos has been around forever. Well, I think part of the reason is because, well, I, I think partially they have figured it out, right? Like our offense has not been terrible up until this past game. And I think one of the reasons that they played so poorly this past game, I mean, we saw it. There was a bunch of cover two, a bunch of Tampa two, um, even cover two man, which was I was a little bit surprised that they would even – try to play man up against our team, but like we, we found ways to beat it. We, we know how to beat it. If you talk to any offensive coordinator, even in a high school system, they'll tell you, if you see two safeties back, you run the ball. That, that's just the way that it is. And with our offensive line and how they've produced and how they've played over the past year, you talked about their PFF grades just a second ago. That shouldn't be a problem. And yet for some reason it is. And Another way you can beat it is running shallow crosses, like play, play, run a mesh concept, do something to where you're, you're taking advantage of the middle of the field or sometimes even deep in the field. If you can get three or four guys back there, there's, we know how to beat it. They know how to beat it. The problem is, and I thought you brought up a really good point here is Mahomes played his worst game ever, probably against the bills. And and I think partially is because of the defense. I'm going to stop you right there because we have, Oh man, this is great. I'm going to read you a tweet. Breaking via Tom Pelissero. John Gruden just informed staff that he plans to resign as the Raiders head coach. Ooh. I know the new emails were just surfaced. Like not oh the ones with the uh, Michelin tire thing, but the uh, the other one. Wow, that's crazy. So, what so do you are, think? Raiders, I mean, Raiders are uh, now at the bottom of the division. Just win, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I dude, I can't believe it. That's crazy. I, sorry, these are always some of the best moments, like live podcasts and stuff like that with breaking news. Yeah, John Gruden's not the coach of the Raiders anymore. That that went fast. Well, did you see, so? In case, so in case you haven't been on Twitter in the last hour, um, you know, the news came out that John Gruden used some racial slurs in 2011 back when he was an ESPN employee describing a, a specific player. 
And then today, the New York Times went ahead and released a whole bunch more of emails that they had obtained that were um, full of homophobic, um, anti-women in the NFL, questioning the NFL's concussion protocol. Basically, what was um, what I'd seen some NFL reporters suspecting is, is that the NFL told the Raiders to handle this. The Raiders did not handle it, meaning look into it, look into this further, do some sort of disciplinary action. Then they, the NFL leaked those emails to New York Times. And now John Gruden is not the coach of the Raiders. Well, I thought we were going to finish at the bottom of our division, but maybe there's a glimmer of sunshine for this uh, Chiefs team. That's There are very few things that you can say to get fired from a head coaching position or to gracefully resign, as I'm sure he's going to put it. This These have to be bad, right? There has to be some... Because I thought that that... Not that it wasn't terrible, because I, I don't think that you can say any of what he said in those original emails about the... Uh, what was it? The NFL Players Commission or Players Association Commissioner, maybe? The, the guy he said the Michelin tires... Yeah, I believe about. it's uh, Doris Smith. It's the player's name, but I'll look it up here. Well, and I'm not saying that, that that wasn't awful because obviously it was, especially in this time. Not that it wasn't in any other time, but with, with how sensitive the media is and how we all are now more receptive to racially, uh, racial conscious. We're, we're all more racially conscious. Um, it is surprising that there were things that were worse than that, that he said. And I thought it was going to be something worse in those first emails. Turns out it wasn't, this has to be that, right? Well, I don't want to come yeah, right out and my, say it, but yeah, my brother-in-law called me and he was talking to me about it and he was like, yeah, I mean, do you think he's going to get fired? And this was last night. And I was like, Nope, he seemed to have weathered the storm. The worst part of it's over at this point, they're just doing damage control. I expect he'll still be there. But yeah, you're exactly right. Those other emails had to have something way worse in there. Um, you know, and we might see more specifics. But at this point, it's uh, ju- just resign, baby. Just resign. It's over. Crazy. Crazy. Okay. Well, that was a nice little shot into the arm of our pessimism about the Chiefs. Um, okay. Is there anything else negative that you want to talk about before we move on to the positives? There's one more thing, okay, and then then we can be done with it forever, and this is going to be kind of a hot take. It might just be because I don't hate Daniel Sorensen as much as everybody else. There are a few of those plays, especially that Dawson Knox catch that he had for like 60 yards where, yeah, he wasn't playing the best coverage, but it doesn't help when your defensive line is not producing any pressures. We had one quarterback hit, one, and that's with, a guy who's making $28 million, a guy we just signed who some people thought was the best defensive signing in the NFL this offseason, Jaron Reed. That's with Tershawn Wharton, Mike Dana, who officially has more sacks than Chris Jones this season. By the way, our whole entire team has five in five games. So I, I think that that has to be the biggest change either during this season, whether we trade for somebody, or during this offseason, I think Beach has to do what he did with the offensive line to the defensive line for us to even have a shot at having a somewhat average defense next year. 
Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I think you're 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 spot on with that. Um, I think I think the only other piece of negative thing, um, negative news that I have is just I'm I'm having a real hard time swallowing the pill of watching Gregory Rousseau and Adafe Owe, who by the way on Monday Night Football already has another sack. Um, he's got three for the year and two forced fumbles. Both have great games. Meanwhile, we're sitting here talking about extremely average left tackle Orlando Brown. And I know we've went down this road a lot with the trade, but I'm also watching Eric Fisher play right now. And, you know, the, the Colts ended up not having him for two games. I know that that is revisionist history in the sense of we didn't know how his recovery was going to go back in April when he was released. But, man, um, those are both picks that they could have had. Rousseau and Owe. Those were completely possible. And they're both lighting it up. They both lit it up against the Chiefs. And then Orlando Brown gets called for like two holding penalties and is mediocre at best. So well, I, just just to be fair, we wouldn't have used our pick on that anyway. We would have got an undersized uh, I don't know, left tackle. Or we would've would we would have used it on an undersized wide receiver or somebody who we thought look like Darren Sproles. We, yeah, we would have wasted I, I, that pick, let's I be think, honest. I think the one thing that people I think that the Chiefs could have made it work with Eric Fisher. I think because he had a big cap number. I think they could have reworked his deal. I think he wanted to stay in Kansas City. It was very clear in his like tweets and stuff that he wanted to be here. You know, they drafted him one one. I think they could have reworked his deal, kept him, rolled with Lucas Nating at right tackle. And then just made, you know, Mike Rimmers work at left tackle for two or three games in the meantime or whatever. I know that that sounded scary afterwards because we all watched the Super Bowl. And, you know, Chris Collins were told you that the, you know, the whole reason why the Chiefs lost the game was because of the pass rush, not because the defense gave up 31 points and Tyron Matthew got put in a, um, like a hand basket by Antonio Brown the whole game. But um, <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. The, the reality is here now. But ultimately, it just it's just hard to see that. And it also just tells me that, like, this team needs draft picks. It needs them a lot because there are players. Yep. I One thing that I think is so underrated is that teams are getting better at drafting all the time. What was the last, like, top 10 pick that just truly busted? I, I'm having a, a top recent, 10 pick that yeah. truly busted. Yeah, like, you know. And when I say busted, I don't mean like, you know, they didn't really live up to the expectations. They played with it. I'm talking like didn't make it through their rookie contract. I can't I can't really think of one. I mean, you can, uh, think, of, I can, you can think of one. The uh, tackle that the Titans chose. No, no, no. That's, few... that, he was like 30, 30th that year. Isaiah's, yeah, I know you're talking. About no, he wasn't that. He wasn't that low. The okay, Titans but he weren't was, a great team. But my point was like top 10, top 15 picks. Those those guys, they just pan out so much better now. The league is getting much better at evaluating talent and how to use it. And, you know, like, go back to Jamar Chase. Two months ago, me and you were sitting here laughing about Jamar Chase because of how bad he looked in preseason. And we're like, well, how stupid was it that they thought that, you know, he could just take a year off from football and come back and be good. And then, sure enough, Jamar Chase is, like, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL right now. And he's yeah. a rookie. Like, you know – I guess my point is just the draft is get, they're getting better at quantifying the draft. So the chiefs need to take advantage of that and make more picks instead of trading picks and valuable salary cap space for a mediocre player. 
Well, okay, but you can say that as much as you want. We had the 32nd overall pick a few years ago, and we used it on a running back. So I'm not entirely, as far as I'm concerned, as a fan watching, I think I would prefer maybe to trade a first-round pick to see somebody who's actually panned out than have our uh, drafting staff go into the draft and pick somebody who they think is going to be the next Darren Sproles. Like, I, I think that our draft, especially in the past few years, hasn't been the best as far as top overall picks. Yeah, and I mean, that that's completely possible. Um, you know, I... It, it that pick will forever haunt me. I feel like until he's gone. Okay, I've got one other negative thing, and then we'll move on to the positive. But these are short. <laughs> we got a, we got a lot of I'm, negatives here. I'm gonna I'm gonna whisper because I don't want I don't want them to hear me. You know the people. I'm gonna whisper it. Okay. Is it possible that maybe the Chiefs became a better football team in the short term? Not like a better not like a better spirit. Not like a better people just like a better on the field football team that Clyde Edwards Lair got hurt. Is it possible? Mm. Let me See. explain. Let me explain. First off, Andy Reid has run the ball in downs and distance that have not made sense to me at all this year. We have become like super cliche run the ball on first down and 10 or even like second and eight. Oh, let's run the ball, run the ball. And then Clyde Edwards Lair noted lack of burst of speed who does not hit home runs. Um I'm telling you, I feel like this offense runs better through Daryl Williams, and I think it will run better with Jarek McKinnon. And if we are not force-feeding and justifying our draft pick, I I don't know, man. I, I, people were all upset whenever Clyde got hurt last year against the Saints and thought that it was just this huge loss. And um, it was barely noticeable. The only time it was noticeable is whenever Daryl Williams was hurt. and And I think... Clyde was hurt against the Broncos and Le'Veon Bell got all the carries and he was clearly done. Um, but man, I, I have a hard time thinking that this doesn't force the Chiefs offense to do what it's best at. And that's passing the ball. Put, put freaking Tyreek Hill in the backfield. Like you go back to how dominant he was in 2016. He was taking snaps back there. Take, put McCole Hardman back there. Start manufacturing touches. You see these holes that are as open as the state of Texas run the fastest dude in the league through there. Well, and you saw them do that on Sunday, right? They, they yeah, they, weak, I think it was a weak side zone. Yeah. Zone run that they used and Tyree kill got like 14 yards. Yeah. Like like, it, it was crazy. How? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I can't not read Twitter right now. Someone said somebody go call Raider Cody. Someone check on Raider Cody right now. Oh, I've seen a few ads. <laughs> when you told me uh, if I haven't checked Twitter in the past hour, that's the first person I went to. Like, oh let's my. see who's at in this, dude. Dude, like, there, there, there is nothing better than, like, the constant every single thing that happens to the Raiders. Like, two or three years ago, it was like, oh, wow, they, they signed Antonio Brown. Like, this could be, really be the year, you know, they've got Gruden and this culture, and they're on hard knocks. Nope, Antonio Brown freezes his feet to the ground, resigns over a helmet, and calls his, you know, GM a cracker. And then, like, you know, oh, they're really kind of coming into shape. They collapse down the down the field. Oh, they moved to Las Vegas, collapse in the middle of the season. It, it's truly remarkable. Raiders are going to be Raiders, man. Perfect. They always do. 
Cold franchise. Okay, so to the positives. Um, now this is. I'm going to keep it a little bit more concise in the positives because I don't want to go on and on about this game forever. But everything that we are concerned about the Chiefs, short of one thing, is in their control to fix and on the roster. Going back to what I said about the Daniel Swanson thing, there are players in that secondary that could play safety. If it's not one, like, you know, if you, if your argument for why Juan Thornhill isn't the answer is because he can't even get Daniel Swanson off the field, I'll listen to it. And, but I'm telling you, you can't tell me that someone like Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker, Rashad Fenton, Legereus Sneed, someone on that team couldn't start mixing in at safety. Or, you know, maybe the answer is that Matthew becomes the deep safety more. And then, you know, Swanson does something else or Thornhill does something else. Um, I think that the linebacking core has the potential to play better with Gay being on the field. Obviously, we've already talked about the fact that if your solution for the defense is all players be healthy all the time, you're in a bad place. But it's no secret the Chiefs defense is in a bad place. I think that the aggression that was shown in the second half, if that kind of comes back and stays, that they just really are pinning the ears back and blitzing a lot, I think that that is a spot to improve. I think that the offensive line is only going to continue to get better. I think that getting Josh Gordon in the mix will help. I think maybe, just maybe, if they don't run the ball so much because a certain player won't be there to run the ball, it might help. I think that Patrick Mullins will get more comfortable in the pocket. I think Andy Reid will start to feel a sense of urgency and start maybe you know going for it a little bit more, being more aggressive, um, maybe trying some different things scheme-wise. I think that these turnovers can certainly, I mean, look, it's, we've talked about it before. Turnovers are luck. Every single thing that's happening right now is against the Chiefs. Every single call that the refs give seems to be against the Chiefs at times. Every single time a ball bounces off someone's hands, it's in the hands of someone else. That will bounce the other way. There will be a time where, you know, a player drops an interception or something, um, there's a lot of things that are in the Chiefs' control right now that, I mean, if you told me the Chiefs run the table from here on out, I wouldn't be shocked. Now, if you told me they went 9-8, and eight, I also would not be shocked. But there's a lot of things that are in their control. Now, I said that there's one thing that's not that I think is just a true how the roster is built and it's not getting fixed right now, and that's the pass rush. Short of adding another player, a Whitney Merciless, or, you know, I saw you put some hypotheticals out there for like Josh Allen, uh, the quarterback, the defensive end from Jacksonville, um, you know, short of talent change. I don't see that getting better. I think that a lot of priors that we had on players on the defensive line have just been fraudulent. Um, you know, I thought we were really excited about Tershawn Wharton. I think that what he is as a player as a UDFA who went to a school smaller than I did, um, you know, that's cool. I still think that's valuable, but I don't think he's, you know, looked at as a as a force that to be reckoned with. Obviously, Jaron Reed was cut for a reason. I think Derek Nottie's getting healthier. Colin Saunders um, literally unpass rushed himself from a snap earlier. I don't know if you saw, you see that snap where he was yes. he split, he split oh two defenders. It's like, okay, you're getting some bull rush. Keep going, keep going. And he's like, you know what? Nah, I'm going to spin backwards and <laughs> literally go back up the field 
instead of trying to get to the quarterback. That was something else. Um, did he did he think there was a screen? That's that's the I, only thing I can think of when I, when I saw that play. To me, it looked like to me it almost looked like a player who's like, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. Okay, okay, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna rush, but then I'm gonna spin, and no one's gonna see it coming. And then like he wasn't looking at what was happening at all. Like he was just putting his head down and doing it, and and not even thinking about it. Um, Frank Clark is clearly more concerned about the Lambos and the Uzis and his new, I, I mean, that's a mess. And, you know, we don't know what we're getting from Chris Jones, but that's a lot to ask one player. But other than that, I, on the positivity side, there is an opportunity for all of those things to get better. And it's not like it has to come from somewhere else. The Chiefs can do it. Now, going back to my opening rant, who knows if they're going to, it might just be broken beyond repair. Who knows? But it feels good to at least know that it's in their control. See, and, you know, my first positive that I took away from this game is that the Chiefs are probably going to have the 16th overall pick in the draft. And, you know, we can use that on somebody that's on the defensive side of the ball. No, I, I don't know, man. I, I just completely disagree with you about it being completely under our control. Our defense is bad. Like, Anthony Hitchens fell off a cliff. I think Nick Bolton is already better than him. Willie Gay played really well, and I'm super happy for him. I mean, especially with some of the things that he's tweeted recently and, you know, fighting with the mental demons that he probably goes through as somebody who's in the public eye who grew up with not a whole lot of money. I'm sure that that's a, a huge thing that he has to go through, but at least he looked good. I think Juan's knee looked a little bit better. Tyron Matthew is still an above average safety, even if nobody else on the back end is. But like, dude, I the problem is, is I think there needs to be a mentality change. And I don't know anybody in there who is faultless enough to go, hey, guys, all right, the next person that messes up, I'm going to kick your ass like that's I'm tired of whatever is going on back here. I don't see anybody that can do that, but I'm getting back into the negatives. All right, let me let me try to reconverge here and get some positives going. Offensive line look great. I think Patrick Mahomes will calm down. I think the offense could change by next week. But there are a lot of problems on this defensive defensive side of the ball, and I don't know how we fix them other than doing it in the offseason. Yeah, I agree. I think that all that's true. Um, let me ask you this, and then we can kind of move on to next week. Where did you have the Chiefs record before the season started? And then where do you think they end up finishing now? So I had them losing three or four games. I know a lot of people had them going undefeated. I think I had them losing to maybe the Ravens and then, uh, oh, the Cowboys. And then maybe one to the Giants. I just had those as like, you know, catch them games where it's, you know, the, the right set of circumstances. Somebody gets injured. But I thought we were definitely capable of beating any team on any given night. Um, and we would be the favorites to win every I, – I don't know if there are any more easy games on their schedule. Like, if you told me that what, – what are we now? Two and four? If you, if you told me in three weeks we were two and seven, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me that we were just above 500, that wouldn't surprise me either. But – I just think the offense has to play perfect. I don't know how many, unless the defense changes substantially, which I don't think that they can do with the given talent on their roster. I think they're, 
a wild card team. I think they make the playoffs, but I don't think they're better than the Chargers now. Yeah, I think that's all pretty level-headed. I I believe I have them winning about 12 to 13 games, and I think now we're more in the 10 to 11 game mix. I think a lot of what we're that's concerning us is just the way that the game sequence. You know, if you reorganize the schedule and the Chiefs have a phase where they go two and three, but they already had a couple wins on the schedule, it probably wouldn't concern you nearly as much. But the fact that it happened in the way it did, is concerning to me. The one game that really just uh, really hurts is that Ravens game, man. Because they had that one. It was it was already like Mahomes had already driven the field. You should have beat them. You had them on the ropes. You've been in their head for so long. They were super hurt. They were they were ripe for the pickup. And then um, you know our highly drafted first round running back just kerplunked the ball. Um, but I, I think that that's true. And you know it might be good for this off. For this team to go on the road in the playoffs for once, crash the party for someone else. And going back to my opening rant again, I mean, maybe this team just has to hit rock bottom and feel like true underdogs in the playoffs on the road. I'm not sure. But man, I, I, you know, I still have a hard time seeing them winning less than 10 games. That, and I mean, at that point, it's pretty catastrophic if they do. Now, the big deal though is that. With these games that they've lost, they've really eliminated their margin for error. You're hoping for other teams to lose. And then, you know, any serious injury when it comes to Mahomes or Hill or Kelsey, you start taking on so much water you can't you can't overcome. So it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see how this plays out. Well, and on the plus side, if we're if we're trying to win the division, which I think is possible at this point, it's basically the second half of our season is all division games. I mean, we play the Raiders twice. We play the Broncos twice. play the Chargers again one more time. If we go 100% through those games, there's a pretty good chance we could win the, the division, especially since the Raiders just lost their head coach, which, you know, is never good to happen in the middle of the season. But it's funny. So. If you want to know, like, wow, this our podcast, we really need to, like, bookmark this podcast. Um, something <laughs> else has happened that is – not nearly as newsworthy, but also just makes us feel a little bit better. Um, Sammy Watkins is questionable to return to Monday Night Football with a soft tissue injury. I also have a bingo because that was my bingo for the NFL season. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the free space, <laughs> uh, John Gruden being a racist homophobe, and Sammy Watkins' soft tissue injury. So that's bingo. But wow. uh, yeah, so I, I feel better about that because I was literally watching him and I was like, gosh, how is he like healthy? Maybe the Chiefs just don't know how to handle it. Nope, medical, medical time. But well, let's let's talk a little bit about these uh, fighting Washington, Washington football teams that are the Chiefs are about to face. Um, I think and I'm, I'm actually really glad to bring up this topic. This is Washington football related. Every year. There are two or three teams that glow up on the schedule because of the teams that they play. And everyone thinks come, comes into the year yet and thinks that they are going to be a good defense again. This goes back way back to when the Jacksonville Jaguars went to the AFC championship and the next year they sucked. It happened um, in years prior with um, trying to, Oh, the bears, the bears, you know, the year that they got Cleo Mack, they went trended down. It happens year after year that teams get a, a favorable schedule the ball bounces their way a few times. Also, the Miami Dolphins last year were that team, and now they suck. 
Um, the Washington, you know, a lot of people surprised me in April and May, whenever the chief schedule got released, they had this game chalked up as a loss that they thought the pass rush was just going to be too much. And that the defense would really clamp down Mahomes on the road and that they might not, might not be able to handle it. But at this point, the red, no, I almost did the Washington football team's defense is more of a myth than anything. And this really just brings me back to the whole point. There are no good defenses in the NFL. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, especially after watching Sunday Night Football, where the Chiefs looked awful. But there are no good defenses in the NFL. There are opportunistic defenses that play bad quarterbacks, and then teams get hot. Now, does that mean that there are not some teams that are going to rank higher than others? Yeah, sure. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that the Bills' defense was better than the Chiefs' defense last night. But what I'm saying is is that the Chiefs still put up pretty good offensive numbers Despite that, there is we are moving closer to arena football all the time. And I truly believe that there are very few defenses in the NFL that are good difference makers, and there are no great defenses. I do not think in the next decade we will have a team that we sit here and say, boy, the reason why they won was because they just had a dominant defense. Now, you can say, yeah, the Bucks defense played really good, and that's how part of how they won a Super Bowl. Obviously. There, I don't think that you're just going to get a bunch of lopsided teams. But were they dominant? No. I mean, Tyler Heine, Taylor Heineke put up a bunch of points on them in the playoffs. Um, so I'm I'm glad that we were kind of moving closer to that realization a little bit, that maybe defenses are a season-by-season season thing and not a long-term thing. Yeah, and first of all, I want to commend you on catching yourself before you use that uh, Native American slur. I would have had to archive this podcast and then eventually you would have had to have gracefully retired from not just another sports podcast. So great, well, great sensitivity. I, I, to be fair, the only reason why the word would have ever been in my mouth would have been because they went by a racial slur for the name for a long time. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to hate on anyone doing that. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. Well, so, so should we just talk about the game coming up? I mean, sorry, yeah, I, I got kind of yeah. lost there. What was your, what was your, your final point um really just my point is just that you know defense is a year-by-year thing and I, I i guess i guess i'll turn this into my first point is the washington football team has had terrible defense for most of this year and the chiefs need to take advantage of that um there are their players individually rank pretty well according to pff the defensive line is nasty um you know montez sweat They've got Jonathan Allen on the inside. Obviously, Chase Young we talked to, talked about a little bit earlier. But overall, this team cannot cover. And the Chiefs need to be taking advantage of that with the players that they have. There's no reason why this game should get dragged down and the offense should struggle. They are 31st in the NFL above none other than the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah, if there was ever a get-right game and a good game to bounce back from, this is the game. You have a backup quarterback with really only one weapon. I mean, I guess you could call Antonio Gibson a weapon of source, but I don't know if he's nearly the caliber of player that we've seen on other teams. I mean, like even against the Bills, Stefan Diggs, clearly better. Even Emmanuel Sanders, I think, is maybe more of a weapon than Antonio Gibson is at this point. But either way, I don't think they have a particularly good offensive line. Their defense, like you said, 
the defensive line is is okay. They're getting a lot of pressures, but not a whole lot of sacks. And the secondary is just awful. I think if the Chiefs can come out, and I'm not expecting them to, that this will be one of the one of my major points. We need to temper our expectations a bit. This defense, I don't think, is just going to get right in one game. I think it's going to take a while, but we could see them play a little bit better in this game than they have the past couple of games. And I think the offense can take advantage of that secondary, just like you said. I mean, this is a, this is a game where we should struggle zero. There should be, there should be no struggle for us to go up and down the field on this Washington football team defense. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to be cliche here. I mean, this one of us was going to pick this, so I'm just going to have to pick it. The tackles need to come ready to play. I'm horrified to think of what Montez Sweat is going to do to um, Orlando Brown and Lucas May. And that's not even including Chase Young. So the tackles need to come ready to play. And also Andy Reid needs to come ready to play. Let's have that ball come out as fast, quick as possible. Let's really use that RPO game, get the screen going, get those um, reverses and end rounds going. All those things cause the team to hesitate. And that pass rush will get slowed down. I know all this is very football cliche, but also it needs to happen because if they just try to drop back and pass like they did a little bit in the Bills game, they're going to have issues. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And that kind of leads me to my one of my main points as well is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes need to be patient. This is. They're going to play. We we know that they're going to play too high safety. That's the way that if there is a book on how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs at this point, it is outscore them on the deep on the offensive side of the ball. And then also, or I guess, take advantage of their defense and then also make them drive down the field because they are going to make mistakes. Now, I think that if we're patient, I think if maybe if we run the ball, not not as much, but if we, we keep the run game in. Feed Jarek McKinnon, Daryl Williams. At least those are guys that can make one cut and get upfield, as well as use Josh Gordon, one of our new weapons that we have. If we can be patient, get some underneath routes, run some mesh concepts. I mean, even a slant hitch. There, there are a million routes in the route tree that you can run. There are a million plays you can run that take advantage of the middle of the field and underneath. We need to do that. And Patrick Mahomes, don't get jittery. I know those tackles are going to be fighting, but... Sometimes you just got to step up and, and throw one to the to the running back every once in a while. Yeah, I, I never feel like the reason why Mahomes is struggling in the pocket is because he's afraid of getting hit because he, he takes a lot of big hits. It's not that. It's more of just what he seems to struggle with is he seems to not be able to complete his throwing motion the way that he likes to inside of the pocket. It's almost like he feels like he's in a phone booth and struggles to – kind of get all the full velocity or step into a throw. Um, well, and Mahomes has that unique ability of being able to throw better than average. Actually, probably the best in the world from off platform. And when you can do that and take advantage of how the defense is set up, because you can sprint to the right, throw all the way across the field to the other side and hit somebody on the back left side, like that, that makes you a better quarterback. That makes you better. It, it puts your wide receivers in better position. And I think it's a good point. Him being in the pocket is brand new to him. He's got to, got to figure out, got to get used to it. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I think 
again, we've this all sounds very similar to the Eagles game a couple weeks ago, but really the Reds, oh, the Washington football team has about one or two ways that they can hurt you. It's Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, um, those you know they lucked out. Logan Thomas isn't going to be playing. Although, might I add that Ricky Seals Jones, former Chief, has actually had a pretty good season for them um, as the second tight end, but. You know the defense really needs to lock down on those two those two guys and not let them beat you. You know if if someone's going to beat them, let it be JD McKissick, let it be you know some of these role players, Adam Humphreys or whoever. You know don't let those guys beat you because it's really that simple. Those two guys don't have a day. It's hard to see the the team coming out and beating the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely. Guys like Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, get those get those secondary guys in the game. Yeah, and I think Curtis Samuel is not going to play again. He's been really struggling with injuries. There's a pretty good chance that he's not playing as well, which was a big signing for them and a nice little weapon. He he profiles up kind of similar to Tyree Kill and how they use him. And you can use him as a running back, a, a really nice player that they're going to be without. So that's going to be my third and final key, like just shut down Gibson and McLaurin and try to make them beat you. Well, actually, you just got me bingo because you made a Tyree Kill comparison. Anytime you make a Tyreek Hill comparison, that's that's on the board as well. I feel like so. I feel like that is there there are two different ways that that's done. Here is here's where it's wrong. When it's talking about the draft, when you're talking about a player's athleticism and speed, wrong. Tyreek Hill comparison. Because Tyreek Hill's thighs look like people's arms. Like he's got like you can see his literal hamstring muscles. Like it, he is one of one when it comes to how he is physically, athletically built. Now, what is not incorrect is how Tyree Kill is used. There are, I mean, there are teams who literally take a player and go, "Okay, this is our Tyree Kill. He's our jet sweep guy. He's our guy that we sit on go routes." I mean, there are players who like Isaiah McKenzie is kind of like that for the Bills. There are team, uh, Press, Preston Williams, who's just traded from the Dolphins to another team. He is used in that role. Like, there are many, many players who take that role on. So that, I feel like, is not incorrect because, I mean, hell, you could put freaking Lucas Nying in the backfield and use him in the Tyree Kill role. doesn't make him Tyree Kill. Okay. Well, tomato, tomato. My last, uh, my last thing, or I guess key, to winning this game is going to be for the Chiefs defense to get a semblance of a pass rush. I know that that's asking a lot. Maybe Mike Dana gets one sack. Maybe Chris Jones comes back and gets two pressures. Taylor Heineke is not a great quarterback. Getting him off of his platform and running for his life is going to make it a whole lot easier on the defensive backs. Like I said, I'm not asking for a five-sack game from, game from Chris Jones. I'm not asking for Frank Clark to come out and get five pressures and, and a forced fumble and a fumble, like nothing crazy. I just want one. I just want more than one quarterback hit. I want more than five pressures. I want a little bit of a pass rush. If we can get the guy's confidences back, if we can build, maybe Chris Jones finally becomes that leader. We all know he could be and rallies this defensive line. Maybe eventually down the road, we can have a two or three sack game. So that, that's going to be one of my keys to, to victory and getting right on the defensive side of the football. Agreed. 
All right, so let's call it. What are you predicting for a final score of Washington football team versus the Chiefs? So I don't think that the Chiefs could if, – if the game is 41-38, I don't, – don't even come at me. Like, that's if, – if that's the score, there's no hope for this defense. You can catch me crying on the next podcast if, if that ends up being the case. I think that it almost has to be a low 30 scoring game. I think the offense has to have at least 35, and then maybe Washington football team – gets 27 28 points so i'm gonna go 35 28 chiefs i like your 28 i'm gonna steal that because the chiefs defense has yet to hold someone to under 29 points so we're gonna go for little pieces of improvement 28 for the washington football team and then i am going to make this a blowout i'm gonna put chiefs 42 chiefs 42 wft 28. I think the Chiefs get right here. Do I think that the problems are solved, that we're all just happy-go-lucky? No, but I feel like they know that they need to win, and I feel like they need this more than they've needed something in a while. So, yeah, like this, I, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, this is their Super Bowl up until this point. This is the get-right game. This is what's going to put them on track. This is I, – I said that last game. I'm going to keep saying it until we win one. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, as always, we appreciate you listening to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Um, you can find Christian at cbreezy underscore edits on Twitter. And you Here can find me at Price A. Carter. Um, this week, we will. Um, I've got a couple of pieces coming out. I'll be writing a piece about kind of some of Patrick Mahomes' struggles in the pocket and where those might be coming from. Later in the week, I'm going to be writing a piece about Baker Mayfield and the Browns' predicament and what they do with them long term. So looking forward to putting that out. Um, you guys have a great day. And uh, remember, always delete your emails. Exactly right. Go Chiefs.